Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 87 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 145 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was AEW Dynamite going down live from the Chesapeake Employers and Shoe and Serena in Baltimore, Maryland. And this was a very scattered episode of Dynamite. A lot of stuff happened, a lot of brawl. A lot of interference, a lot of things that didn't quite jive for me heading into Four Gear in two weeks' time on pay per view. But let's kick things off with Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal. And Darby so selling the ribs from a couple of weeks ago when Jay Lethal slammed the garage door into the ribs of Darby Allen before locking in the figure four and adding that insult to injury. And Jay Lethal immediately went after those bad ribs, ramming them against the ring apron and monkey flipping Darby Allen into the still steps at one point as well before delivering a nasty German suplex on the ring apron, the hardest part of the ring. As we go to commercial break, we come back and Darby does try to fight back with a coffin splash on Jay Lethal for a near fall. He counters Lethal Injection to a real naked choke sleeper followed by a float over stunner before going to the outside to deliver a suicide dive to Jay Lethal but he bounces off Satnam Singh. It's a great non-sale by Singh and the referee ejects Singh and Sanjay Dutt from ringside but in doing so, we get a maxed person that looks like Sting, but it's not Sting. Hit Darby in the gut with the baseball bat, and that allows Jay to hit Lethal Injection on Darby Allen to pick up the win. So after the match is over, who is the guy under the Sting mask? Who is this person that knows Sting and Darby Allen like no other? And come to find out, it's Cole Carter from the factory, aka Two Dimes. When he was with Tony D'Angelo in NXT a few months ago and the crowd goes mild, you hear crickets, then Sting music hits to save Darby Allen, and so we think, and then we get another sneak attack from Jeff Jarrett as he smashes Darby over the head with the guitar and Darby's head's busted open as a pool of blood in the ring and Darby's laid out like a chalk outline on Law and Order and we got Jeff cutting this promo about being the last outlaw and saying that Sting, a guy you worship and idolize, is your biggest weakness and I'm here to let you know that I am this industry. My family has been a part of this business for 75 years. Three generations of Jared, my father, my grandmother, and I, we've left an impact every pun intended, on professional wrestling. And I intend to turn AEW upside down and leave my mark when it's all said and done, slap nuts. And we hear the OG fame of Jeff Jarrett from his time in Impact Wrestling, which was a nice touch to wrap up this very interesting opening segment of AEW Dynamite. Jeff Jarrett is going to stay with a bag in 2022, whether it's WWE, AEW, GCW, AAA, Ric Flair's retirement match. He's going to stay getting the money bags no matter what. And in all seriousness, he does have a legit title in AEW as a new director of business development. And I think he's going to be a great asset to the company because he's all about logistics and planning live events and he's going to be the guy that's going to basically putting the touring schedule together for the company which is a great gig in my open limited live events on the road for AEW talent as well to get them more reps besides working TVs every Wednesday and Friday if need be so I like that higher in that regard the storyline kind of shaky on it I don't want Jeff Jarrett trying to tell me in 2022 I'm going to run a rough shot over AEW then Tony is happy to make the announcement guess what guys he works for me in a business capacity yay yeah i'm kind of over it but at least we know that darby allen and sting reunite against jeff jared and company very soon which is so nitro 1998 97 but i don't want to veer into the 2000s because that suck within wo 2000 hell no to that but choices 
with Jeff Jarrett going up against Darby Allen and Sting in 2022. We'll see where it goes in the weeks to come. But I feel like Darby needs a bit more than this. And I hope he hasn't peaked in AEW because he's really climbed his way from the bottom to the top. And he's went from losing to Cody to beating Cody a couple of years ago to finally winning a championship in the company via the TNT title. And since then, it's kind of been like moments with Sting, but I want a bit more for him heading into next year as well, because I think there's a higher level Darby can go in AEW besides what he's done thus far. Next up is the AEW world champion, John Moxley versus Lee Moriarty. And this match was overshadowed by Lamar Jackson, the star quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. He comes through the crowd midway through this matchup. And I'm thinking, is MGF making a surprise? appearance but no it was Lamar Jackson he gets MVP chance and his appearance along with his entourage detracts from the match with Moriarty going after the left shoulder of Moxley putting in various submission hoes suplexes as well Mox fights back with his own ground and pound game is a cutter out of nowhere and tries to go for the kick your fucking head in spot on Lee Moriarty Moriarty goes to the border city stretch Mox counters that into some Andrew elbows and the cross on breaker for the tap out victory a short time later Ethan Page comes out to boot John Moxley and drape the title over him as he is in the eliminated tournament for a shot at the championship post full gear. I would love for Eagle Ethan Page to run the table, win the tournament, get a shot against either Moxley or MJF. That is where the money would be heading towards the end of the year. Possibly winter is coming, but as always, we shall see. Next up is the Daddy Ass Celebration of the Year. It's Billy Gunn's birthday, and we have a beautiful celebration of Susan Me Daddy foam hands, which are going to be hot sellers on shopaw.com and arenas across the country when AW tours in your town in the next few weeks or so. So we get gifts from the acclaimed, including a handmade pair of scissors from a fan in the crowd who got scissored by Max Caster in a great moment. And we get a trophy for Daddy Ass that he's the world's greatest daddy. And they make a rib about him not being a part of the DX reunion a couple of weeks ago in Brooklyn. The fans kind of jeer at that. And he gives us a second symbol in a nice little tongue-in-cheek moment. Then we get the funniest part, a certificate of adoption for Daddy Ass to sign to officially adopt Max Caster and Anthony Bowens as his sons. And as he's about to sign the paperwork, his own sons, Austin and Colton Gunn, come out to confront their dad. And he's attacked from behind, courtesy of W. Morrissey and the acclaimed to beat down by the gun club until FTR makes a save as FTR continues their beef with the firm's Austin and Colton Gunn. And that should be a match heading into TV and or for gear in the next couple of weeks or so. A fun segment. The fans so love the acclaimed and rightfully so. And if you asked me a year ago, if I would have found Max Caster endearing, I would have said, hell no. But now I do. He's very endearing as a baby face. And this crew is over and they should not be losing these titles anytime soon, even though FTR is still super hot as a tag team and they're due for a shot at those titles, preferably by the end of this year. But as always, with all things in AEW, plans are subject to change on a whim. Next up is Chris Jericho defending his Ring of Honor championship against a former champion of some sort, whether singles, tag, team, women's champion perhaps, and it is the returning Colt Cabana. He's very emotional coming out and you can feel he is just living this moment considering everything has gone down with CM Punk and the Elite over the past couple of months. The investigation is over. The Elite are coming back very soon and Cabana's return is a biggest sign that CM Punk would not be back in AEW and this match was good for what it was as Cabana was very emotional taking it to Jericho in the corner with some nice strikes and punches to the Ocho himself and then they take a nasty spill on the outside when Cabana 
kind of goes for the Chicago skyline and it does not go well as we go picture in picture with both men landing very hard on the floor. We come back from commercial break and Jericho is going to control the action but Cabana comes back with a flying apple and strikes. He goes for a moonsault because crotched up by Jericho and Cabana reverses an electric chair into a victory roll for two only for Jericho to counter into the walls of Jericho. Cabana fights out of that move. Eats an eye poke by Jericho but he's able to lock in the Billy Ghost curse on Jericho a short time later by avoiding the Judas effect and in doing so he goes for the Superman pin which is broken up by Jake Hager. Cabana fights back by landing a moonsault on Garcia and Hager at ringside. He goes for another flying apple on Jericho only to eat the code breaker by the Ocho as Jericho retains the Ring of Honor World Championship. So as Jericho and company make their way up the ramp we have Matt Menard, Angelo Parker attack Ian Riccoboni who is calling this match on behalf of Ring of Honor on guest commentary and Jericho rips off the eyeglasses of Riccoboni goes for the attack until Claudio Casanoli makes a save and the Blackpool Combat Club fights back against the J. A-S. And all I thought about was we've done this dating back to the spring. Anarchy at the arena, blood and guts, and now we are in November and we're still beefing? No. No, no, no. Danielson gets involved. Garcia goes after Danielson. They have really Yuta coming out there, Sammy Guevara, as well as a big brawl. So what else can we possibly do with these two factions that we've done twice already? It is split one-to-one, but at this point, I don't care. Eddie Kingston exited his feud months ago, and he still did not get his win back over Chris Jericho. So what's the point? And on top of that, Eddie would have rifle beef against Claudio, who sold the win for him in Blood and Guts, and we never got that payoff months later. So I just wished we could redirect several storylines in this storyline to other things but I digress on all of that as the war against Jericho and Ring of Honor and the Blackpool Combat Club continues next up is Orange Cassidy versus Ray Phoenix versus Luchasaurus in a three-way match for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship and this match was a lot of fun as Orange delivered those very light shin kicks to Ray Phoenix early on before going for a very nice revolutionized Tornado DDT on Ray for a near fall eventually Luchasaurus is going to use his strength and power against Phoenix and Orange Cassidy as he's going to boot orange he's going to put ray phoenix through the timekeeper's table the height wasn't quite there due to luchasaurus's shoulder injury but ray still takes a bump nonetheless and we have luchasaurus and orange cassidy fighting on the main stage and luchasaurus is about to annihilate orange until jungle boy hits luchasaurus with a steel chair in the back and he charges into luchasaurus as they both fly off the stage through a table via a nasty cross body by jungle boy which gets a huge pop from the baltimore crowd so orange cassidy and ray phoenix are well enough to get back in the ring there's no DQ or count outs in a three-way match. And this leads to Pat coming out with a hammer to give to Ray Phoenix to use against Orange. Ray refuses and he gets lit up with an orange punch by Orange to retain the All-Atlantic Championship. After the match is over, Pat goes after Orange until Katasura Shibata, alongside the rest of Chaos, Rocky Romero, Shrimp Beretta, and Chuck Taylor, even the odds. And then Shibata shoes away Pac. And there's a contract, an open contract, for Orange to face the dream opponent of his, on Rampage, live tomorrow night on TNT, and Shibata signs the contract. He wants a shot at the title, and it's on. I'm excited. Shibata versus Orange Cassidy. Who would have thunk that in 2022? Shibata was so over, looks really good too. Not gonna lie, 
it was a nice moment and it was one of the highlights from last night's show because it was totally unexpected in the best possible way. Next up was Jay Cargill versus The Problem. Marina Shafir in this match was not good. And we got the excuse me shriek from Vicky Guerrero, which is so grating. Then Nyla Rose provides live on the mic commentary to get under the skin of Jay Cargill, but it's not working. Marina tries to go for an armbar, but Jade big boots her with a pump kick, followed by Jaded for the win. And after the match is over, Kara Hogan tries to get back the TBS championship from Nyla Rose. She gets knocked down by Nyla and Nyla won away and this could lead up to their match at full gear for the TBS championship and the money will be Jade lifting up Nyla for Jaded that is going to be the moment how's she gonna do it we'll see about it we know she's gonna do it and that's gonna be the pop of pops on pay-per-view if AW plays her cards right in the next two weeks or so and now it is time for our main event featuring Brian Cage versus Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor World Television title and this match was surprisingly 85% Brian Cage, who suplexed, dominated, clotheslined, and beat up Samoa Joe for a large chunk of this match. Joe had moments with Insiguri in the corner to Brian Cage. Nana causes trouble at ringside, which allows Cage to land a standing dropkick on Samoa Joe and proceeds to hit an Insiguri of his own, followed by a German suplex that drops Joe on his shoulder as we go picture in picture. We come back, and Cage lands a somersault dive over the top on Joe, but Joe fights back with a Manhattan drop, charging boot and a set on for two brian cage pulls out some lucha spots with a spin out power bomb followed by a tiger fake kick and a twisting elbow for a near fall from the top rope cage is going to drop joe with a pump handle driver and he damn near drops joe in his head but joe's all right as he continues in this match as cage goes for an angle slam and a lariat on joe for two but he is eventually going to drop cage with a coquino clutch to put his ass asleep to end this match on a high note after joe went through hell and high water to win because cage gave him the business for the majority of this matchup then we have the gates of agony attack joe from behind warlow tries to even the odds until he's attacked by powerhouse hops who wants a shot at the TNT championship could be on TV and or full gear in a couple of weeks time on pay-per-view that could be a very good matchup as once again Hobbs and Cage realigned from their days as members of Team Taz last year to wrap up Dynamite at the top of the hour this was a good way to end the show Ring of Honor note once again a little bit too Ring of Honor heavy for me but they got dual shows to build up full gear and final battle next month as well but as I keep saying Ring of Honor desperately needs their own TV show early next year away from AEW because there's too many things going on in the show it's very busy too many belts too little time they need their own space and real estate on TV away from AEW early next year all in all this was an okay show I miss him Jeff I guess he was selling the table bump from last week but he should be back next week he's got to cut some money promos two weeks out before full gear on pay-per-view the final hard sell for the devil who might or might not be a baby face heading into the last pay-per-view of 2022 for AEW but we'll see how they play it in a couple of weeks time the show was mm, their best match if I had to pick I would say the three-way between Cassidy, Luchasaurus, and Phoenix for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Besides that, this is a rare case of I didn't feel a specific match that spoke to me as damn. Last week had plenty of those. This week, not so much. And that's a rare miss by AEW. And we got a tournament eliminator to kick off next week, most likely. You got four shows to work with in two weeks to properly sell for gear. Got to get into it right now. And I hope they pull it off because it's inching closer 
and closer just saying. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 87 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows for May W. Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and or Instagram at Wrestletopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown, back on Fox, and AEW Rampage going down live on TNT tomorrow night. You know what to do. Search Wrestletopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Tune up as Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I will be back Tuesday morning recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. The reason I'm not going to be doing a SmackDown wind down slash AW Rampage Late Night Rager is due to the fact that Crown Jewel for WWE is going down on Saturday afternoon at 12 noon. And the relevancy of the show dropping in the morning will be a bit stale and dated by the time the show ends on Peacock. So I'm not going to be doing a podcast for the weekend, but I'll be back Tuesday recapping all the fallout from that show right here on WST. So until then, enjoy your Thursday, your Friday, your Saturday, your Sunday, and your manic Monday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.